I'm going to deal with the subject of uh, how God uses trials in our lives. There are several reasons uh, for, for trials in our lives, different ways that God uses them. And it helps us to know uh, how He uses them so that we can learn the lesson that He has for us from it and be able to um, bring glory to Him through that trial. Um, there's, I will say this at the onset, um, there's a lot of questions sometimes. Uh, people sometimes have asked me, and there's times I've been puzzled over this as well. Uh, when a trial comes into our life, uh, it can be a couple of different things. Uh, it can be God testing our faith and uh, strengthening it. It can also be God's chastening and the way to know is to search your heart and ask God to show you if there's some area that He's chastening you in that you need to get right. Uh, if you don't see that after praying that and asking the Lord to show that to you, if that's the case, then you uh, mark it down that, that, that it's just a testing that God is putting you through to try to strengthen you and uh, maybe, uh, maybe to equip you in some area. And so... Uh, but trials do come. There's no doubt. Uh, a lot of times people think that when they get saved, everything's just going to be uh, perfect. Everything's going to be fine. There's not going to be any problems. Um, the problems are still there. The difference is we now have a Savior that gives us the grace that sustains us through the trial. And uh, there's joy in the valleys many times. And God gives, gave us joy uh, oftentimes to give us that strength in the valley. And it's amazing as you... If you ever take time to go through Scripture and look up the subject of joy throughout Scripture, uh, not in every instance, but in many instances, joy is tied to a valley or a trial. Um, weeping may endure uh, for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. And the idea that joy is just on the other side of that. Uh, joy is to be expected. <clears throat> and it's that hope that we have in joy that oftentimes allows us to go through the trial. And so I want to give you four, four things that the Bible teaches uh, pretty clearly, in fact, of the purpose of trials uh, that are in our lives uh, many times. And we're going to, I will say this, that um, it will deal with both aspects, uh, the chastening of God or uh, the trying and building of our faith and strengthening of our faith. So we're going to look at these beginning in Proverbs chapter 25, and uh, let's look down excuse me, to verse number 4. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 4. Solomon writes this, Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Uh, in the book of Job, Job wrote the, the idea that uh, when he is tried, that he would come forth as gold. Uh, there's oftentimes a... A refiner's fire, so to speak, if you will, that we are put through, uh, that the trying of our faith worketh patience. And there's a purifying effect uh, oftentimes that these trials have in our lives. Uh, keep your Bible saying we'll look at several passages. Let's turn to the book of Malachi. Uh, Malachi, contrary to what some people believe, it is not Malachi, it's Malachi. All right, and if you don't know where Malachi is, if you go to the New Testament, the book of Matthew, it's back one book from that. It's the end of the Old Testament. All right, Malachi, chapter number three, 
Malachi chapter number 3. And uh, we'll begin in verse number 1. We'll read down several verses here. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come in this temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. And oftentimes the Lord does things in our lives by way of refining us and getting the impurities out of us, the lessons that He wants us to learn from them. And I think most of us, if not all of us, can relate to times in our lives that God brought us through some things that taught us very valuable lessons spiritually. And we came out on the other side of it, and we were uh, not so happy that we had to go through the valley, but we were thankful for the lesson that we learned, uh, the, the purifying effect that it had had on us, uh, of helping us to become more of what we should be, and chiseling away at the things that shouldn't be in our lives. Um, and I've, I've begun in recent years, and it's taken me a while to get to this point, uh, praying, Lord, help me to see the lesson without having to go through that. Because I don't, I don't like the process sometimes of having to go through the trial in order to learn the truth. Uh, but yet, oftentimes, God uses that in our lives. Now look over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. And we'll see one other passage referring to this. <clears throat> that oftentimes, God will use these trials to purify our lives. He will use them as a refining fire. Um, in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12. God is speaking here of the chastening of the Lord. In verse number 6, He says this, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as, uh, with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have this, uh, we have ha- we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, speaking of God. For our what? Profit. That we might be partakers of His holiness. Has a purifying effect on us. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth, notice this, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore... Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. And so it has a purifying effect on us. And so when we get a trial in our lives, we need to understand, is this God chastening? Is He purifying me? Is He causing some things to be cleansed out of my life that don't need to be there? 
uh, or maybe trying to get me to do things that I'm supposed to be doing according to Scripture that maybe I'm not doing. And it has a purifying effect. The second thing that God uses trials for is to allow us the opportunity to be a comfort to others. That's an unusual one, but let's look in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. And I did not know or understand this truth for a long time. In fact, I came across this after I had been through a couple of instances of this in my life. And as I came across this passage and, and, it, and it stuck out at me, I began to see what it was saying. Uh, all of a sudden, it made some sense to me. Um, I remember when my dad <clears throat> was diagnosed <clears throat> excuse me, with pancreatic cancer, and he suffered for about 10 months. And what was just difficult for us as a family to watch him suffer. And uh, he, was, he was trying to be faithful, and he kept preaching right up until two weeks before he passed. And we'd have to help him up to the pulpit many times. And, and uh, he, he just lacking strength and wasn't able to do much. But he wanted to preach until he couldn't preach anymore. And I used to sit there in my living room weeping and praying and saying, Lord, why are you allowing him to suffer? You know, he's been faithful. He's been uh, doing all of these, these things to, to, to serve you. And he's, he's being a testimony for you. And why would you let him suffer and continue to go through this? And our family got to a place where we, were, we knew that uh, unless it was just an absolute miracle, he was not going to be healed. And we just began to pray, Lord, just take him at this point. Don't, don't let him linger. Don't let him uh, struggle and, and stray. And it was hard on us. It was hard on me as a son uh, to watch that happen. And I didn't understand it. I questioned God. God and I had some conversations that looking back on, I'm thankful God is long-suffering and gracious because some of those conversations, I questioned Him a lot. And I didn't realize what was happening. In the next 12 months after my dad passed, I sat at the bedsides of four families who went through the same thing. And I could sit there and weep with them and hold their hands and pray with them, knowing what they had been through. And about the second one that that happened, it dawned on me, Lord, I didn't enjoy watching my dad suffer, but I'm thankful for the experience because I would have never understood what people were going through had I not gone through it. And oftentimes, God brings a trial in our life for no other reason than for us to be a help to others. There are four, four men right now whose wives have left them. I did not understand when my wife left why this was all happening. My life was shattered and did not, did not do well for about a year. I uh, was trying to work and lead music in the church. And that's about all I did. Other than that, I went home and crawled in a corner and didn't want to see people, didn't want to talk to people. Wept many, many tears. Prayed many, many nights. Lord, why? Why? And I've got now four men that are uh, regularly in touch with me and talking with me and trying to be a help to them who are going through something very similar. And I thought, Lord, I didn't like going through that. I don't know that it was something that was within your will, but you took something that was not a good thing and made it beautiful and made it something that could be a help to others. God wasn't taken by surprise when that happened in my life. 
It certainly wasn't His will for it to happen, but God was able to use it in spite of that. As we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I want you to watch as we read down here. Paul is speaking to these folks in Corinth. In verse 1 he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, under the church of God which is at Corinth with all the saints which are in Achaia, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Notice this who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Did you see it? Paul says we're comforted by God and it enables us to be a comfort to others. To be able to share with others the goodness of God. To encourage and to edify others. Be faithful. God will bring you through it. God's grace is sufficient Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. And there are times that there are trials in our lives for no other reason than for us to be a help to someone. I was talking to one of these men the other day, just just about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And their, their comment was the same thing that I felt when I was going through what I went through. Their comment was, I just don't understand why. It just doesn't make sense to me why. I remember asking that question as I was going through a valley. I mean, many of you, I'm sure, have gone through valleys like that. Where you've just said, Lord, why? I don't understand this. And I told him, I said, I shared the the thought that God had used the death of my father to help some people the year after. And then I said, and, and, and not only you, but other men have called me in recent months going through some of the very things that I went through. And I said, have you ever thought of this? That maybe God is letting you go through this. It certainly is not His will, but He's allowed it to happen in your life. And His purpose in, in what He wants from you is to be able to use what you learn through this process to be a help to someone else. To be able to say that, yes, even in the most heart-wrenching of life's problems, God's grace was sufficient. His strength was made perfect in our weakness. He paused for a moment and he said, I've never thought of that. There are times that God may put you through a trial. And there may be no sense as to why. And it may not be God putting you through a trial. It may just be because of the consequences of someone else's actions. But God has a purpose in even using that for His glory. To be able to help you. To be a help to others. 
And Paul said in verse number 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Be able to say such a thing in the midst of his trial. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Number three, there are times that God allows trials in our lives or brings trials into our lives to give us an opportunity to be strong in our faith to point others to Him. I don't know if we fully understand the, the weight of this matter, but whether we want to or not, we are an example to other people. Whether we want that position, people are looking at us. People are watching us. And when that trial comes to your life, if you respond the way an unsaved person responds in it, they're going to say, I, I, I didn't see any, any difference. They're going to look at that and say, you claim to have a God that is a God that is your fortress and your refuge, your ever-present help in time of need, and yet you're not handling this very well. Look with me in the book of Daniel, chapter number 3. Daniel chapter number 3. We're going to look at two passages here in Daniel. (coughs) Daniel chapter number 3, and we'll begin reading... uh, Let's start in verse number 22. We'll read down the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar got proud. Some of the princes uh, encouraged him to build a, uh, an image, a shrine to himself and to his greatness, and have all the people of the nation bow down to it. We all know the story that when the music sounded and all the were supposed to bow, bowed, that there were three who did not, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse number 22, the Bible says, Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. If we ended the story there and we didn't know the end of the story, we'd say, boy, God sure failed them, didn't He? I mean, these are the boys who just a few minutes ago were standing before the king saying, our God will deliver us. Our God will deliver us. But if not, over in verse number 18, he said, they said, Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And we would all look at that and cheer them on and say, yes, their faith is going to save them. God's going to deliver them from this. No, He didn't deliver them from the trial. But He brought them through the trial, didn't He? He didn't remove it. He allowed them to go through it. 
But notice what the Bible says in verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, ye servants, notice this, of the what? Most high God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, captains, kings, counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies, notice this, the fire had what? No power. Nor was the hair of their heads singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of smoke had passed on them. When we come through the trial unscathed, when we come through the trial unmarked, with absolute faith and trust in God, notice what the response was. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent His angel and delivered His servants that trusted in Him and have changed the king's words and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, language, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Sometimes we go through a trial to be able to point others to the Lord Jesus. Our testimony in the fire. Is it one of trust? I'm not saying you have to enjoy it. I doubt very seriously. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, that they were rejoicing because they enjoyed going through it. But they said, we are going to just believe God. He's going to deliver us. And even if it be through death, we will be delivered. They responded appropriately, didn't they? During the valley, during the trial. Look with me in Daniel chapter 6. Again, the very familiar story of Daniel going through the lion's den. A different king this time. This is one of the Medes and the Persians. This is King Darius. Verse number 29, again, God needed to teach a lesson to the king. I'm sorry, verse number 24, excuse me. The king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, and the lions had mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, languages that dwelt in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For He is, notice this, the living God. And steadfast forever. 
His kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. And His dominion shall be even unto the end. There are times that our trials are simply to provide opportunity for you and I to point others to Him. How do we respond to those trials? We spent last hour speaking of our testimony. Does our testimony come through the trial unscathed? Do men look at the testimony that we have coming through it? Though the pain be great and the burden weighty, do we come through it with grace? Do we come through it with our faith unshaken? Still trusting God? I can remember a point where the temptation was to just walk away from everything and say, I'm done. The burden is too great. I remember sitting in my room, in my living room, as I, as I had these thoughts. Is it really even worth it? Having to endure such pain. And the very next moment I thought, but where would I go? The only place I have that I'll be able to bear this is to cling to the Lord Jesus. He is my strength. He's the one that brings you through the trial. And when the temptation does come, you have a choice to either turn from God and become bitter at God for the trial that you found yourself in. Or you can say, Lord, the only way I'm going to make it through this is if I can cling to You. If You are my strength. And I'll tell you this, that there are times that people will come after a trial like that, having watched your life, and they've said it is an encouragement to know that when trials come, God can bring me through it. Because He saw that He brought you through it. Sometimes God brings a trial in our life to give us the opportunity to point others to Him. And then lastly, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Sometimes God brings trials to purify us. Sometimes He brings trials so that we can learn to be a comfort to others and to use the same comfort that He gave to us to comfort others with. Sometimes He gives us a trial so that we can point others to Him. And lastly, sometimes He brings trials to draw us back to Him. Notice in Psalm 119, verse number 67... Psalm 119, verse number 67. Notice what the psalmist writes here. He said, Before I was afflicted, I went, what? Astray. But now. So there is before the affliction, and there is after the affliction. Before the affliction, he went astray. Notice what he says about after. He says, But now I kept thy word. 
There are times that God chastens. There are times God brings trial, tribulation into our lives to draw us back to Him. The next time a trial comes into our lives, we need to ponder these four things. Say, Lord, which one is it? And it may be more than one. It may be all. But God always can get the glory through the trials of our lives. Oftentimes I have people that will call, and I've said so often the last several months, we're living in a time, and my phone rings every week, several times a week, with people that are just hurting. They're hurting. They're going through trials. They're going through difficulties. The burdens are great. There are times as the day ends, as I go get ready to go to bed at night, that I'll just sit in the living room and, and pray for each of them. And the burdens are heavy. There's a lot of tears often that are shed because of the, the trials that people are going through. Can I tell you this? Let's make sure that through that trial, God is glorified through it. That whatever the purpose of it is, and even if it is the consequence of a poor decision, may we pray, Lord, make something beautiful from it. Help it to be something that can be used to bring glory to You. May I learn from it. May it draw me back to You if I'm away from You. If it needs to be purified in my life, may it purify me. May I be a help to others and a comfort to others. And may I point men to You. Oh, that we would learn to appropriately respond to the trials that are in our lives. And that we can point people to the Lord Jesus. By our testimony being improved, by our faith being strengthened and on display for others to see, by being able to comfort others during their time of need. Whatever it is that God has a purpose for, may we learn to deal with these trials appropriately. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul, who had a thorn in the flesh, the thorn of uh, a messenger of Satan, uh, to buffet him. Prayed three times for God to relieve him of that. And his answer was, God's answer to him was, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me so that that God could have His strength on display in His life. It wasn't pleasant for Paul, but he was able to glory in it, knowing that God was able to get the glory through it. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed. Father, we're once again thankful so much for Your Word, how it brings... uh, understanding sometimes, many times, to things that without it we would not understand. And Lord, even though sometimes we don't understand the trial, we can understand from Scripture that there are there are uh, results that come out of those trials. And they can either be good results that point men to You, that are a help to others, that draw us to You, Maybe 